welcome to the Gridiron Show, our first round reaction show after a stonking first round. Brilliant work from all at the NFL to make it happen. The lack of technical glitches, the lack of trades in and around the top 10. Some shock picks later on, though, for the likes of the Green Bay Packers moving up for Jordan Love. There's a lot for us to dissect and discuss from the opening night. So Simon Clancy and Matthew Sherry will be doing just that for you here on the Gridiron Show. Are you listening to The Gridiron Show? Will Gavin, uh, because I was doing the show live last night, uh, not too much chance for me to get involved in this podcast today. But just to remind you, we've partnered with Betfred for the 2020 NFL Draft uh, for all of your draft needs from uh, markets uh, all over the show. I mean, I think... Matthew Sherry goes into exactly what markets are available and there's some brilliant ones out there. So go and check it out at Betfred. T's and C's, of course, apply and begambleaware.org. You'll want to know, yes, I'm pretty pleased with the 49ers draft. Ayuk feels like maybe a little bit of a reach there because... There were other receivers on the board and some people thought they should have taken the likes of a Jerry Judy or a C.D. Lamb a little bit earlier on. I think they might have done if Ruggs was there, to be honest, because he fits the scheme so well. But Ayuk is the guy they were very, very high on. And uh, yeah, with Kinlaw, it's strength on strength. It's a position of relative need, even though they've got good players at those positions already because it's what took them to the Super Bowl last year. So I'm pretty happy with that. I thought the worst picks of the first round. Austin Jackson, possibly. Big reach for the Miami Dolphins. Clancy will get into that. I thought that the um, I thought that Jordan Love was a, a fascinating one, particularly as they moved up for him. They must have thought someone else was coming to try and get a quarterback. And uh, people will think I'm being mean about the Seahawks for some reason because, you know, I'm a 49ers fan, but I didn't like the Seahawks pick at 27 either. I thought that was a big, big reach where they were and they were much better linebackers on the board. But he is a system fit. He's just a system fit I thought they could have got in the second round. Anyway, those were my thoughts. I'll leave you with the real experts, Simon Clancy, Matthew Sherry. Thanks for that, Will. I am sitting the morning after the night before with the happiest man in the UK right now. He's got his Tank for Tua t-shirt on that we have all seen a plenty over the last few months. Simon, how are you feeling, buddy? Mate, just... I, mean, I don't think I've ever been happier, frankly. It's, I mean, it just, I'm in dreamland. I'm an absolute dreamland. I think yeah. I think I think it's important for people to know this went down last night. Um, essentially, Sai had been given some information that it might not be the night he was looking for. About an hour and a half before Sai. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, I got a message to say you're in for a disappointing night from somebody who's pretty well connected. So, <laughs> so at that point we we. Uh, we were thinking the the dream had died, um, and you well, you, that, you became at that point. I also changed my Tua Tagovailoa game shirt to, <laughs> to a Trevor Lawrence Clemson shirt. So so that that kind of set things up in in, in brilliantly entertaining fashion. But then I think really, side what, what your conviction all along was, I played out, which is that Miami had set many many smoke screens out there. And they felt all along that they could sit there and take the guy who they really wanted, who was Tua. And I think the interesting part to me, and the, and the exciting part, if I was a Dolphins fan, is it's fairly clear that Miami is where he wanted to be. I mean, we've seen so many subliminal messages, um, and outward messages. I mean, he's, he's openly admitted it in the past as well. But, you know, when he did his hype video, there was, there was, there was kind of a Dolphins vibe to it. When he opened his um, his suit jacket yesterday, it had kind of dolphins colours in. So this is this is a lovely fit, isn't it? I mean, they they've got the guy they desperately wanted, and, and most importantly, he's got the team he desperately wanted. You you've got to be excited as a Dolphins fan about that proposition. Yeah, he's a great fit all the way around. First of all, you know, you, t- you look at the city. Miami's quite a vibey city. There's a lot going on in Miami. You know, he's not going to be phased by that at all. You, you know, one of the issues around Justin Herbert was, you know, he's a small town kid, small high school went to a small university or you know, lived in, in, in Eugene. So it was from a very small university town, never really seen that sort of big picture, big world. You know, the fact for him that he's gone to the Chargers is really good because actually he's, you know, even though it's Los Angeles, he can get lost in the, you know, in the city. There's a lot going on there. But for two of Miami, he's not going to phase him in terms of the, the city. Um, 
and yet he's always, you know, he's made no bones really about the fact that he'd love to be to be drafted by the Dolphins. We spoke to him on the podcast, didn't we, which went out yesterday. And he talked about, you know, he was aware of the tank for two thing, and that was obviously a Dolphins thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think off the field it's a fit. I think off the field it's a fit for the organisation as well. You know, it gets excitement back in the city. It gets bums on seats for the owner Steve Ross in terms of season tickets. This gets people vibing. It, it makes them nationally identifiable again. You know, just by picking, you know, that player. And then in terms of the actual offensive fit, you know, he's going to work very well with Chan Gailey, that RPO system that he's so good at at Alabama. You know, Gailey's going to be running four receiver sets, which, which is what he had almost every down, three, four receiver sets um, at Alabama. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, um, I, I think it's a marriage made in uh, marriage made in Miami. Um, and Chan Gailey. Um, almost feels like he was brought in now. I mean, I think we were, we found that move a little bit odd, actually, based on how the offense looked at the end of that season. But as you say, with how good a fit that is, that move almost posthumously, if that's the right term, makes makes a little bit more sense than it did at the time. Totally, totally. Because you, you did wonder why they got rid of Chad O'Shea because the offense was was pretty strong. Um, but now it seems to it seems to make an awful lot of sense. And you know, I think. He's not going to start straight away. I think, you know, in the ideal world, you, you don't play him for a year or you end up doing what, what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. Don't forget Marvin Allen. Uh, it's a very important part of the Dolphins' uh, front office. He's the sort of assistant general manager. He was the guy who worked with Brett Beach in Kansas City to draft Mahomes, to draft um, Kareem Hunt, to draft, uh, uh, you know, Chris Jones. and, and Yeah, and, um, you know, what the Chiefs did there, that model where they essentially sat uh, sat Mahomes behind Alex Smith. I think you're going to see exactly the same two are sitting behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then you know ideally come in maybe in the last game of the season or you know, a couple of games to go. If the Dolphins are out, fail contention. I'm going to have to cough. Excuse me. <coughs> I don't have the corona. Um, he's going to you know hopefully come in and you know and play a game at the end of the season just to get his sea legs under him. But really, what you're doing is you're just allowing him to soak up the playbook. You're allowing him to soak up the um, the, the teaching that he's going to get from Ryan Fitzpatrick, and also just to allow his body to heal even more. You know, the, the Dolphins cleared him medically. Obviously, we knew that beforehand. Anyway, uh, the Dolphins actually carried out the, the second hip assessment that the NFL uh, did. In fact, their doctors did it, um, so he got the all clear that way as well. Um, but you know, just allowing his body to get stronger, to to, to heal up, to work with the Dolphins coaches and, and strength guys in terms of. You know, strengthening his core and, and those sorts of things, and he, you know, he's all, he's proved all along he's a real sponge. You know, he can take to coaching really, really well. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see to see what happens. Um, let's let's tie up the Dolphins. Um, when about five minutes before the draft last night, Si, we were discussing it, and you said to me, "As long as they take two, uh, I don't care if they take two undrafted free agent types with the other first round picks." Uh, they didn't. They didn't do that. But I, but I think they took two. I think they made two interesting picks. Um, and I think picks where in both instances you might say they they pick guys a little bit higher than than than, than were projected. So so what was your read of it? I mean, obviously in the gridiron mock draft, which by the way gave you twenty eight of thirty two first round picks, uh, which I think is quite impressive. You. You nailed the second pick, which was was Austin Jackson, the, the tackle from USC. But but just talk us through the the two picks, and, I, and I'm going to let you pronounce the the Auburn cornerback's name because I'm yet to do it right. So. It's interesting because I, I you know I said yesterday on the pod that I believe that teams would be picking not for sort of upside, uh, and you'd be picking essentially guys who were were battle ready, you know, the Derek Browns, uh, Jonathan Taylors, the Grant Delpits, these these kids who are just you know battle hardened really good college football players. Um, and I think what the Dolphins did actually was the opposite, which is they picked a couple of projects. Now, you know, they certainly relied on their coaching last year and, and that was one of the big vibes that was kicking around that the amazing job that Brian Flores did. You know, and what they've taken is two sort of balls of clay, really. You know, Austin Jackson is 20 years old. Um, he is incredibly athletic, great feet, long arms, just the perfect left tackle body. Um, but he is very raw. You know, you watch some of his tape against AJ Epinesa in the bowl game. Uh, and then you watch him play also against um, against Bradley and I against Utah. And he has a really tough time against the Nye. Um He needs coaching. You know, he, he has no idea what to do with his hands. Um, 
Now, the flip side is that he spent much of the off-season, uh, in fact, he barely uh, participated in USC's off-season. He essentially helped save his sister's life. She was dying, gave her bone marrow from his hip. Um, so he, he had no practice, really. He was in hospital for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, the struggled, I think, with the hip a little bit, the pain, because, you know, having all that bone marrow taken off his hip certainly took a toll on him physically. Um, he can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. I think he's going to be a right tackle. I think he's going to be a left tackle. The Dolphins will draft a, a right tackle, potentially Lucas Niang, DCU today. Um, but yeah, you know, he's he's going to be getting good when he's 24. You know, if the Dolphins can keep him around second contract, you know, you're going to get two seriously chunky contracts out of a guy who potentially could be a really, really good player. He's going to need um, he's going to need a lot of coaching, but I think you know, you know the upside is there. Noah Igbehine, <laughs> see, I did it. Noah Igbehine. The Auburn corner. Very good. Um, I got a message this morning from um, from. So I have somebody who works inside the Alabama um, football uh, administration. He's one of the coaching assistants. Um, he basically just wanted to say we tried to recruit this kid. Very very high character. Went to Hewitt Trustville here in Bama. You can't find anyone there or Auburn that doesn't absolutely love him. Definitely a trend with his Dolphin staff. We hated playing him. Very sticky. Now I watched. Uh, Five of his games from last season. Um, he's a very, very interesting player. He is a really, really talented, athletic, tall, long kid. Click uh, and close. You know when you're when you're watching the cornerback backpedal and the plate then develops in front of him. The ability to plant his, his back foot into the ground and drive forwards towards the ball. He's very good. He's very good at getting his hands on the ball. He doesn't have a lot of interceptions, but he gets his hands on the ball an awful lot. Um, I had a, he was my fourth rated corner in this draft. I had him as a first round player, um, and that's what he ended up being. Again, I think he's going to play the nickel. You know, nickel. I had a lot of Dolphins fans messaging me last night, going, "Why are we taking a nickel corner in the first round? That's ridiculous." <clears throat> People need to understand that you know, nickel is base these days. It's not you know yeah. the, the, the days of four defensive backs being your, your base defense no longer exist. The Dolphins play six defensive backs about sixty five percent of the time. They're in nickel about seventy five percent of the time. Um, you know, he's going to play often. Um, he's going to be playing with two of the best corners in the league, in Xavier Howard and, uh, and Byron Jones. And there's going to be times where Byron Jones kicks, they'll, they'll kick Byron Jones to safety occasionally and stick, stick Noah out on the out on the boundary. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to do all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a pick for probably 2021, 2022, but he's going to, you know, he's going to be asked to play straight away. And and I think anybody criticising that would misunderstand the system. And and we've discussed this ad nauseum, side, But you know the Patriots have been the most successful team in the last decade by a mile, and they've done this. They've they've loaded up in the secondary. I mean, they've they've still got to me the deepest and best cornerback group in football with you know J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCourty, and then they drafted George Juan Williams last year. They've got probably yep. the best slot cornerback in the league as well. And 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 it's no surprise. I mean, there's lots of period style things about what the Dolphins are doing. And 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 I think they're taking truthfully. I think they're taking the best parts of the the operation yep. as well. So I'd, certainly, the arrow pointing up for Miami. Let's discuss the other the other big talking point of this round, which is um, Jordan Love to the Green Bay Packers. Very similar vibes here. Uh, it must have felt like Groundhog Day to, to Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Um, he's now on the other side of it in terms of sitting in the seat where Brett Favre was when he came in. I do not think Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy who will take this overly well. Um, no. and, and and it's funny when they were asking Love what he could learn from Rodgers. I would very much expect this to be in the category of very cold relationship, similar to the one that Favre and Rodgers allegedly had at the start. Uh, very different, for example, to you know Patrick Mahomes really credits Alex Smith with with a lot of how he was able to hit the ground running. Um, I do not see the same situation playing out. However, I watched New England do this with Tom Brady, and it revitalised his career and created the best five year stretch of quarterback play I've ever seen, and maybe we've ever seen in NFL history. And I do think that the Garoppolo thing was a huge factor in in that with Brady. It was it was after that is when all the TB12 stuff came about, and it and it did feel like not suggesting he wasn't putting effort in, but it did feel like he refocused and it gave him you know these these kind of guys as well. And Rodgers and Brady are very similar with this. 
they almost need needling. You give them one more chip on their shoulder. So actually, I like the move, but it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a massive. I think I think it was the biggest story of last night by a country mile. Um, I think you know Aaron Rodgers probably sat in Malibu in his, in his sort of summer house, thinking, you know, he did an interview that day, didn't he? yesterday, didn't he, with, with Pat McAfee, saying, you know, it's been 15 years since we drafted a skill position player in the first round. You know, they're, they're crying out for offensive help, and you look at the players that were on the ball at the time, you know, Lavisca Chanel, KJ, <coughs> excuse me, KJ Hamler, Michael Pittman, you know, a lot of Denzel Mims, a lot of really, really, really good player. Cole Komet, if they wanted to go tight end. Um, and they took it. They, not only did they take all of that, they, they traded up for him. Um, so if you're Rogers, you've got to sit there and think, "Wow, wow!" You know, they really need to. Um, it's a big, big decision from Brian Gutenkunst, the, the, the general manager, to do so. I t- look in in a totally football, you know, way. He was a value pick. He was the best player on the board. He's a really, really his, his ceiling is probably higher than any quarterback. In this draft, I, I genuinely believe that. As much as I think two is fantastic, as much as Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback, his ceiling, if he is right, is you know you, you, you're getting up there in terms of you know, the talent that he has. But you just think, you know, what would a KJ Hammer have done in that offense? <clears throat> what would you have been able to do with Chanel? What, what would you have been able to do with Pittman? You know, who just reminds you so much of Jordy Nelson. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a you know I think it would have been a very frosty phone call. But I'm sure Gutenkunst or, or Matt Lafleur had to make to, to Aaron Rodgers to say, "Look, we're going to draft a quarterback," and um, you know I'm not sure that, that that would have gone down very well. And he's got to be looking at you know the guys who were in comparable situations to him around the league: Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I mean, the Saints had the opportunity to do the same thing. Love was still on the board. They went, I mean, it wasn't a massive need, but the the big thing the Saints have always done with Drew Brees at quarterback is had a really good interior offensive line because of his height. It's kind of the way they've built that whole thing. So they got Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. We saw that the Buccaneers um, trade up one spot to get the uh, to get the tackle they loved in Iowa's twist, uh, Tristan Wirfs. And and it's an opposite approach, isn't it? You know, yeah. those Tom Brady probably two years, Drew Brees I think we think one year. Those teams invested not in skill position but in guys to put around them to keep them upright in the pocket and and went all in on those quarterbacks and and you know a little bit to hell with the future. Whereas Green Bay very much the opposite approach. I think that as much as anything would would grade if I was Aaron Rodgers. It's the Seattle approach, isn't it? It's the John Schneider approach. We've talked about this both on podcast and privately many times. The the, the fact that Russell Wilson has never quite been given the skill position talent and the offensive line talent to really maximise his ridiculous ability. And I, when I say ridiculous, I mean ridiculously good. Um, you know, and I just feel like, yeah, that this was definitely a very interesting sideways step for the Green Bay Packers that in five years' time might have worked out beautifully. But, but, and also what it means is Aaron Rodgers is now officially on the clock. You know, how, how long are you going to keep Jordan up? So you're either going to, what's either going to happen is the same thing that happened with Tom Brady is that Aaron, Aaron's career is going to be utterly revitalized and you end up trading Jordan Love. Or in two slash three years time, you're going to have to say to Aaron, you know what, buddy, I know you want to play to 44, but we're going to have to move you on now because the kid's ready to go. You know, yeah. that's a, a, for a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback for one of the, you know, one of the greatest pure passers in NFL history, undoubtedly in NFL history. I mean, um, it's Ibn Marino, isn't it? I think. Yeah. I, think we'd agree. I mean, uh, my, my, my girlfriend is a is an avid Green Bay Packers fan. She and I were talking last night about Rodgers, and I said, you know, he's my favorite quarterback to watch since Dan Marino. Exactly that. Um, yeah, it's just. Um, it's it's so interesting to see that Rogers has been put on the clock, but in terms of a pure football decision, you know I can justify it. But you'd really want to see. And what you're doing as well is you're telling a 13 and three locker room that we're not going to help you get over that hill. You know they got to the NFC Championship game. We're not going to yeah, help and, you and, I, and I think the other frustration is they they did get to the NFC Championship game, but to me they were not an NFC Championship team largely because. They didn't have guys, particularly, I mean, the, the connection between Adams and Rodgers is great, but similar to what I said with, with, with you about Wilson when, when Seattle made their pick, which we'll discuss later on, you know, 
they didn't have guys who could get open in the route, which is what I want to see for a, particularly for a quarterback who's who's of Rogers' age, of Rogers' injury history as well. It's not like he's gone through his career without getting banged up and having significant time missing in some seasons. And 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 yeah, it is. It, it it's a difficult one because I like you say I'd. I'm struggling a little bit with the Packers because I just didn't I didn't think they were an NFC Championship team last year. It, it obviously they got there, so by that virtue they were. But I think it was predictable the way they crumbled so dramatically in the in the championship game because I think it it showed the the disparity in 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 quality between them and and, and the Forty ers You and I have been around Aaron a fair bit. You know, we've been in locker rooms with him. We've interviewed him. You know, we had a famous sort of chat with him when he came over to us at, at Lambo. But we've also been there in, you know, when things have not gone right, and we can see his visible frustration. Uh, and certainly, you know, we went to that the Patriots game last year, last year, year before, two years, yeah. year, two years ago in Gillette, where you know, the, although the, the Packers never led, there was a definite momentum early in the fourth. Quarter, Green Bay were down by sort of four or five. Were driving. They had the ball, you know, fairly deep in, in New England territory. It felt like it was a real momentum swing. And then Aaron, Aaron Jones fumbled. The Patriots got the other end of the score, and it's kind of game over. Um, uh, and the frustration that Aaron had in that locker room afterwards, you know, when we were talking to him, and you could sense that, you know, he was just because he does get he's so over reliant on Devontae Adams, but he's reliant on Devontae Adams because he's the guy that he's the only guy that can get open consistently. And you just, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like, look, you've got a, you've got a superstar quarterback. You've got him maybe for three years. Let, why don't you just go balls out for three years yeah. and just surround him with the best possible talent? Because you can win a Super. You know, he's done it before. He can yeah. win a Super Bowl, and you don't, you know, they're not that many players away. They're not. You know, I know. Yeah, that that's what like, I would say. As I much as there was a disparity last year. Beaten. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the miles off. It, it really? feels like the, the the you know two or three of the right pieces um, could could change the game. Let's let's do a little lightning round and, and just run through every pick. Just want a, a quick grade. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a I quick mean, ten words. Yeah, hit me. Bengalsboro. Yeah, I mean the, the pick we all knew. Really good quarterback. Great kid. Tweeted enough talking. Let's get to work. Yeah, what's not to love? The Bengals are going to love him. Washington Chase, yeah. Um, I don't think he's as good as Nick Bosa, but he's clearly going to be, you know, a really good player. I, I worry a little bit about Jed Shetting sometimes, but you know that they, they're putting together a fierce and defensive line. Detroit Jeff, well. yeah, absolutely. Best corner in the game, straight up replacement for Darius Slay in a system where they love cornerbacks. He's a he's a great person. He's going to come in and, uh, and really set the tone for that team. Giants Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I mean, Thomas was coming in, was the you know the virtual uh, top five pick at the start of the season, sort of fell away a little bit, not through anything that he did. Uh, he's, Dave Gettleman's one of his hog mollies. I think he's, he's going to come in and start for 10 years and be a really good player. Chargers, Justin Herbert. And, and I will say, you'll find it on the Gridiron Twitter feed, the worst piece of content I've ever seen a team put out is Justin Herbert's head on Gary Anderson's body finishing a nine data, which I'm almost certain that the Chargers media guy didn't know was what was happening. Okay. It was Herbert against Haders in the box score as well. It was atrocious, but I'll let you, I'll let you I, determine whether you're a hater or a or a lover of the pick. I have issues with Herbert, but I think it's a good pick. Uh, I think he's out of the spotlight a little bit um, on a pretty decent team, and he's going to need to be coached up. Tyrod Taylor's a, a really good bridge quarterback. Uh, you know, Herbert's inaccurate at times, but you know his raw skill set is you know second to none. Let's flip ahead. The Chargers traded back into the first round to 23. Um, Kenneth Murray, I love this pick. This is one of my favourite picks in, in the class. Just a, a, a great kid, incredible backstory. Um, really everything that you want in a first round pick in, in many ways. Yeah, um, former future NFL man of the year. Helped raise three um, disabled children with his parents. Great player. Uh, you know, sideline to sideline, linebacker, great diagnosis, a, a really good pick for, for, for the Chargers, really you know, help that defence. Uh, when <clears throat> new regimes come into the NFL, I like to see them make what I think are tone-setting and sensible picks right at the start, establish a culture. That is a big buzzword for Matt Rule. Um, Derek Brown, Carolina, was, was a really nice one, wasn't it? 
arguably my favourite player in the draft, arguably the best player in the draft. I think he was my number two overall player uh, in this draft. I, I just think he's a phenomenal player, phenomenal human. Uh, he's he's going to make everybody around him significantly better. He's a soaker-upper of blockers. He's a pocket collapser. You know, he's not going to get you 15, 20 Aaron Donald sacks a year, but by God, he's going to be a good player. Arizona Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons, I think our view on him is that you will find a pro Bowl position for him, but you, a smart coordinator is going to be able to use him in all the positions that he was used in college. Exactly. I think, you know, they passed over tackle, they passed over C.D. Lamb, you know, who obviously could have reunited with um, with uh, with Kyler Murray, but it's hard to pass up on a player that can be so multidimensional, but they've got to find a proper role for him because he could sort of fall between the cracks if they don't. Yep, um, this one was a, a this one was an interesting one. Jaguar was going for for CJ Henderson, the cornerback. I know you side didn't see you you, you had a, a Cuda number one, but you thought Henderson was was pushing him relatively close and and, and I guess a top ten talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's just, you know in terms of his pure cover skills, I think there's they're one on one a. I think when just tackling is not quite as proficient as it is with a Cuda, but I think Henderson's a really good player. Stays in state. Um, he's going to help you know, re-establish some tone on that defence he starts from day one really good player Cleveland Browns Jedrick Wills no excuses at all now for Baker Mayfield are there? none I mean you've got you've got literally everything now the interesting thing is you know he's going to switch from left tackle from right tackle to left tackle there were some question marks in the run up to the draft in the last week about his sort of mental processing the fact that teams were a little bit worried about how he could uh, soak up complex offences but he's a great kid um, and uh, I think he's going to be a. Um, I think he's going to be a good player. You watch his Auburn tape from last year, and it's it's as good a tape as there is that any prospect put put out there last season. Mackay Becton was the guy. I I thought. I mean, I love the athleticism, but to me, he needed to be taken by the right team, and that right team was a team who could afford to take a risk on a guy with incredible upside, um, but but not but. Not necessarily a team who should have went for the safe pick, which I think was Tristan Wirfs, who we'll get onto in a second. Um, what did you think of the, of the Mackay Becton pick? He does strike me, and I hate to say this to Jets fans, as the classic bus potential New York Jets first round pick. Yeah, he's Jeff Lagerman. He's all those kind of historical Jets players. He is, he is being more bust. You know, some of his take is astonishingly good. You don't see him in a lot of what you would call NFL pass sets in terms of his pass. Protection, but he can certainly do it. He's a monster in the run game. You know, you watch him against Florida State. He absolutely, I mean, I can't remember the, who he's up against, but there's a couple of different uh, FSU defense who he absolutely just ruins to the point where they're just sat on the ground looking up at him, going, like, please, please stop. You know, he can, he can, there's that famous scene in The Blind Side where Michael Orr walks, uh, walks a defensive end into the bench. I mean, that that's the, the you know, you see that with him. Um, but he is a big human being who's had some weight issues. You know, he's 368. You know he's going to have to really, really control his diet. You know he's um, he's uh, he could be he could be Greg Robertson, or he could end up being you know really, really good. We should see. Henry Ruggs' first receiver off the board was a little bit of a shocker. Um, <laughs> how do you like the fit with the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, look, the ghost of Al Davis lives on. Really, I mean, I think um, I, I was I'm amazed that they 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 pass on a guy like Jerry Judy because I think Jerry Judy reminds me so much of Antonio Brown. Um, and without all the terrible parts, and I think obviously, you know, Gruden and, and uh, Mike Mayock traded for for Brown last year. Obviously, Ruggs is a really good player. He's much more than just the sum of his parts. I.e., he's not just quick. He is a he is an, an angle destroyer. You know, he has so much speed, but he can also he's a decent route runner. Uh, he's a, he's got good hands. He doesn't really drop many passes. He can go up and get the ball. He's not great with contested catches, but. He's going to help that offense definitely. Just just by taking the the top off the defense, just by taking an extra player out of the box, he's really going to help Josh Jacobs as well. My concern with it a little bit is I I just don't like the fit with Derek Carr. So I mean yeah. he doesn't throw the ball deep very often Ma- for a start. Or Marcus Mariota. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Mariota. Uh, the one thing I do like about it though is the the Raiders had a good offensive line last year. So yeah. you know you, you like to think the quarterback will have the time to get the ball down the field. Tampa Bay Buccaneers moved up one spot. Um, clearly, I think there was another team who would have been willing to trade up with the 49ers and leapfrog them for Tristan Wirfs, who I think was just great value at 13. Yeah, I confirmed last night the Dolphins were on the clock, or were on the, um, on the phone with the 49ers trying to move up and get Wirfs. Um, ended up staying and taking Jackson. So, yeah, if, look, if you like a guy that much, he falls into your lap to give up 
whatever it was, pick 117. Fourth round, yeah. Yeah, just, just do it. Just do it. It's fine. Um, I think he's a good player, and I'm surprised he was the last tackle off the board. Left left tackle, right tackle. I think he'd, be, I think he'd actually be an all-pro guard as well. But I think he's going to get the opportunity to start at tackle. Uh, and, you know, that's what Tom Brady needs. That Demar Dotson has moved on. You know, you look at some of the, you know, Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet. You know, there's some decent pieces on that line. And, you know, hopefully he can come in and, and protect, uh, protect Tom Brady. Um, San Francisco moved down one spot and took the guy they probably would have taken anyway. Pick up a fourth yeah. round pick in the process, Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, I think they did that really well because they didn't have a lot of picks, uh, you know, sort of in the middle part of the draft. Um, and, and obviously this was the, 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 the Forest Butler trade uh, pick. Um, I think people would argue, you know, you traded one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL and you, 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 you know, you're picking a kid who was not the finished article, but he has some, you know, some serious talent. An amazing story as well. You know, you just see he's one of the guys you really want to pay for, given what's happened in his past. So, um, and again, that defensive line was the, the heartbeat of that team. So, you know, it's, it's understandable. Sometimes the biggest win in a draft is just sitting where you are and taking the guy who I think we all agree you would yeah. have taken all along. And that was the case with the Denver Broncos and Jerry Judy. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect fit. We talked about it last night on on House Party. We did our House Party draft for six hours or whatever it was. Um, and you know, if you're John Elway, you're absolutely rubbing your hands. You know, when, when Henry Ruggs' name went off the board, you're absolutely rubbing your hands together with glee. I mean, you know, Denver's putting together a very good under the radar team. And if Drew Locke can be the Drew Locke they hope he is, you pair him with Courtland Sutton, Philip Lindsay. You know, all of a sudden they made some smart moves in free agency. That, that Denver's that Denver team is pretty decent, and you know, you've got a, a, a good head coach with a strong defensive mindset. Um, yeah, interesting times in Denver. And then the Falcons, they didn't get Henderson, who I think we all thought that they would try and move up for. Maybe they did try and move up from, but AJ Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson. This is an interesting one to me because, you know, played well in some, some big games. We saw the, the, the pick six of, of Tour in the National Championship game, but the last time we saw him was probably the most difficult outing of his career. He was That's right true. there for a lot of those plays against LSU, though, wasn't he? And he was going against a guy who we'll get onto in a sec, taken in the first round this year. And and in Jamar Chase, I mean, arguably the best wide receiver that you'll ever see in college football. I mean, he's going to be yeah. a top five pick. He got abused by Chase and, and Jefferson, and it was interesting because I think he fell in. He fooled, What he fell into that sort of category of second tier corners, maybe that behind Henderson and Akuda and. I think different teams would have had different players rated differently. You know, some teams would have had Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton, um, the kid that the Dolphins took with the unpronounceable second name. Uh, you know, and they'll have had them all in a different in a different ranking. And I think Terrell Terrell's a good player, he's a good tackler, and I and I think he was knocked by that performance in the national championship game. But smart kid, good tackler, uh, and that uh, you know, it's a it was a decent pick. I, I kind of felt for Atlanta a little bit because I don't think they wanted to necessarily make that pick. I think they would have wanted either Henderson or Kindle and they sort of had that the rug pulled out from underneath them. But you know, I don't don't, don't certainly don't see Terrell um, as a sort of a you know oh, an afterthought pick kind of thing. I think he's a good player. Um, another team who just sat there and then couldn't believe their luck with the Dallas Cowboys. CD Lamb mm. falls into their laps, and and you know they'll know him well as well. There's a really good relationship between Lincoln Riley and the Cowboys. I, I don't think they ever anticipated he'd still be on the board. Valley was just so great. And now you're looking at Michael Pittman, um, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb. I just think it's um, you know that that is some serious weaponry for that. You know, and look, you know, excuses stop now. For Dallas on offense, excuses stop for, for Dak. Um, you know, it's time to step up. CD's going to come in and contribute massively straight away. Uh, and I just think he probably wasn't the player that they would have taken had he been there. But the value was just way too good. Um, Damon Arnett was the was probably the shocker of the night. I think we thought he was a second or third round guy. But I mean, Mike Mayock has shown a willingness one to take from from big schools, an Ohio State kid here, but also to to zig when others would zag. He's not frightened to go with the courage of his convictions. Arnett had the lowest passer rating allowed in single coverage of any cornerback in this class. Um, just an interesting story, I think, as well. You know, he's the kid of Chris Carter and. Very nearly didn't play in his in his last year and stuff. So he's he's kind of one of those where you, you, we might look back on this as a, as a masterstroke in in two years and and quickly be able to identify the reasons why he 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 was available. Yeah, I mean, Arnett was interesting, and, and what I think Mayock and Bruden have done since they've been together is that they've sort of slightly bucked the trend, like you say. They, they haven't always taken players that you expect them to. I thought Arnett was the third best cornerback at Ohio State last year. Sean Wade, 
um, who decided to stay in and who I think will be a first round pick next year I thought was the better player but you know they like the fit there um, and he's going to come in and, uh, and you know hopefully uh, hopefully get a starting job opposite Trayvon Mullen and uh, we'll see where it goes but uh, you know I wonder whether or not you know I, I thought he might have been better as a slot corner I've got to say but uh, um, you know his tape is good his tape is good but it's not um yeah, but I suppose it goes back to what I said about the Falcons. You know, people are going to have people would have had that second tier of corners all over the place, and he was clearly the guy they liked. Jacksonville, Clavon Chasen. I mean, where this leaves Yannick Ngokwe with Josh Allen, last year's first round pick, also in the building, it remains to be seen. Um, this was one of those where really I think the value was was actually too good to to pass it up. Yeah, really good player. Um, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes he didn't quite convert pressures into sacks but he, you know he was injured he had he came off the injury he's an off-ball linebacker who can you know can play in space but can also get to the pass I think he's the second best pass rusher in the draft I really like him and again much like CD Lamb a huge value pick um, and then the Eagles this was a bit of a shocker wasn't it Jalen Rager going, yeah. going high I, th- I think this summed up I mean I again would put the next guy drafted in the category above these guys but we did talk about how after the initial run of guys, a lot of teams would have these wide receivers um, viewed very differently, and um, and the Eagles went and got Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from TCU. Absolutely, I think they're, they're going to be a creative lead. They're going to be able to do a lot with him. He, you know, he carried the ball quite a lot on um, on jet sweeps and things like that. He's very very fast. He was significantly slow at the, the combine. He was he was hurt, but he's a sort of four two early four three guy who's going to you know. I think he's going to bring back some of those Deshaun Jackson vibes for, um, for for Carson Wentz and um, you know creatively if they can use him right I think he's a, he's a good selection but I think Philadelphia fans having seen you know Justin Jefferson on the board would have been slightly disappointed that, that Rayball went off and he's the sort of player that's going to take a little bit of time to to bed in you know I, I don't think you're going to see thousand yard season from Jalen Rayball in you know in year one he doesn't strike me necessarily as that guy. And then the next team, I think, sneakily might have had the best night of anybody in the Vikings. Um, Justin Jefferson, who you've just mentioned, is really Stefan Diggs' clone in in some ways. You know, he's a very similar player stylistically in terms of the intelligence with which he he sets defenders up and, and runs routes. And then and then they move down the board, pick up some extra extra collateral, but also get a guy who I know we mocked to them at twenty three and and uh, twenty two, sorry, and lots of other people did in in Jeff Gladney, the the cornerback from TCU, who I think is one of the better scheme fits as well. You know, he he, he looks very good in that in that Mike Zimmer defense. I think. I love Gladney. I think he's a really tough in your face. He's going to get up and he's, he'll punch you in the mouth. He's a really good sticky corner, but he's really tough. He's you know he's a good in your face press uh, press player. They really need something out of Mike Hughes on the other side. And if they can get those two going together, then they could be onto something. Really like Jefferson. I think it's a great fit in Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see how they play because obviously Joe Brady kicked him uh, from outside at, at LSU in 2018 to the slot where he just had an absolute monster season with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Uh, last year for LSU, Adam Adam Thielen plays a lot in the slot as well, so it'll be interesting to see to see what they do. But you know that that they are what the Vikings now have are, and you know they would have had digs of the state around, but what they now have is you know again two really proficient route runners. They would have had three really great route runners, but you know Thielen and, and Jefferson really do know how to set up cornerbacks. And yeah, I agree. The Vikings did very very well there. We've uh, we've discussed Kenneth Murray. We've touched on Caesar Ruiz, very athletic interior lineman. Uh, next one was interesting to me. Um, the Forty Nines, I think we all thought would trade back from thirty one because they saw lacking in second and third. They actually moved up. And uh, interesting story last night that apparently they were really interested in and Keel Harry, the Patriots' first round pick from last year, um, and the Patriots got in there ahead of them. His his college teammate Brandon Ayuk was the pick here. Um, I think, as much as I'm a Patriots fan, I think certainly at the point of coming out of college, Ayuk is is a better player. Um, I wouldn't have traded up for a receiver if I was the 49ers because I would have tried to pick up some extra picks and, and I feel like you can get comparable guys in the second and third round. But if there's a guy you love, you know, go up and get him, I guess. Absolutely. I think, you know, what, clearly that defence was, was Super Bowl winning in terms of its calibre. They didn't lose Jimmy Ward, which was very important. They obviously lost Butler, but replaced him with Kinlaw. You know they're getting players that they had back into the season coming back off injury, so the defense is, is championship caliber. And I think what you need to do is continue to surround, you know, not a limited quarterback because that's unfair to, to Jimmy Garoppolo, but a system a system quarterback. 
uh, and continue to surround him with talent. We thought they might have moved up potentially for a left tackle like Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland because of Joe Staley's injuries and, and age. But um, but yeah, I think I, you know, he does. He, he's a kind of a, a bit of a Devo Samuel clone in a way. You know, he's very good after the catch, very good with the ball in his hands. He sets receivers up. He does a good job at the top of his routes. Um, I, I know some players. I know some. Uh, analyst Danny Jeremiah, for example, is one of his favourite players in the draft. I think he's. Um, I really liked watching him. I thought he was a really, really good player. And I think you know so he. He to me strikes me as somebody who'll come in much like the US and will contribute straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And we've obviously talked about Jordan Love. Uh, the shocker, non-shocker of the night was Seattle taking a, a left-field first-round pick. Um, Jordan Brooks, linebacker, Texas Tech. What, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, I mean, he's instinctive, he's a thumper, good tackler, you know, he's a three-down player. It's intriguing because you wonder what they're going to do. You know, it kind of feels like they're beginning to they're beginning to look at the end of the line for, for Bobby Wagner and for KJ Wright a little bit. You know, they, they often just play two linebacker sets. Um, it's... Uh, you and I had this discussion last night. You know, has John Schneider made a significantly good pick, apart from DK Metcalf really, since since uh, Scott, McGlure, uh, Scott McLuhan left his side, because you know, those first two drafts, they essentially drafted what we would consider maybe five, maybe six Hall of Fame players, you look at Russell Wilson, Wagner, um, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, uh, was one other, and I can't think who it is, but you know, but they also drafted Russell Oku, uh, the big long corner who played really well in their Super Bowl year whose name escapes me um, who, uh, Byron Maxwell um, you know uh, and all of a sudden I think you know you look back historically at his first round picks and you like head scratchers and, and, again, so, and signed a couple of guys who were great players slash yeah. fringe Hall of Fame I mean I think Michael Bennett is an old Hall of Fame yeah. impact player who won't get in because of his stats he's not a stats yeah, player but in terms of impact he's a Hall of Fame talent all are very good, I think. Oh, they, they drafted the really nice pass rusher as well, who now works for Radio in Seattle. Who, um, Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm surprised, not surprised. Uh, but, again, I think it's back to the, 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 the Aaron Rodgers theorem. You know, surround the best quarterback in the league, which I think is what Russell Wilson is, with talent. Because, you'll win, you know, he's a guy that essentially takes a 4-12 and roster and turns it into a playoff team. Now, if you can get him some, you know, Jordan Brooks is not going to help Russell Wilson win games. That, for me, is a is a real shame when you look at somebody who has so much talent, so much talent. And it feels, it almost feels like an abdication of responsibility for for John Schneider to continue to pass over players that would help make Russell Wilson better. I, that, that just, I find that just disappointing, really. And then um, two picks I'm going to put together, picks that just makes total sense when you look at the tapestry of the teams. The Baltimore Ravens get Patrick Queen. The only thing that didn't make sense is I, I think they've never drafted anyone from LSU, um, probably because of Ozzie Newsom's Alabama route, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, that just made a lot of sense. You know, this is a franchise of, of Ray Lewis. It's a franchise of the guy who is now with the Jets, whose name escapes me, the Alabama guy. Um, you know, they needed that heartbeat middle linebacker again in that defense, and, and they've got it. Yeah, he's really instinctive as well. He's just, and, and had a great season, a really great season last year. You know, he gets sideline to sideline. He's very quick, great diagnosis. Three down linebacker, I think they're really going to love him, especially given how they play. I'll be able to cover him up really well. It's just a, it's a fit. Um, just a really, really good player. And then you lose Jack Conklin at Tennessee. Um, you keep the heartbeat of the team in, in Derek Henry. Uh, so you go and draft, you know, possibly, certainly at this stage of the guys available, the best the best run block and tackle available in Isaiah Wilson from, from Georgia. I think the concern here would be pass protection, but in terms of that stretch... Yeah. Um, running scheme that you you clearly modelling your entire offense on this this really fits the the scheme quite nicely. Yeah, he's a mauling run blocker. You know, played uh, played that position at right tackle really well. Helped set up DeAndre Swift um, on the perimeter in terms of what he was able to do. I, I don't th- I, I I think you feel more comfortable with him because you have a mobile quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, so you don't have a statue back there. And look, he's certainly not limited in pass protection. Um, but he's a very much a like for like replacement, and and it's clear what the Titans are going to do. And I, you know, I applaud Mike Vrabel both for his uh, his ability to, to to know what what makes the team work, 
but also the, the weird statues that he had uh, in his uh, in his house. And apparently, <laughs> I saw this on social media this morning, but I didn't see it last night. Apparently, there was a shot of Brable sat in his sort of lounge wherever he was with those three people dressed up behind him. Apparently, there was a, a door open and a downstairs toilet, and just somebody was sat on the toilet taking a dump <laughs> <laughs> or, or faking taking a dump. So, I mean, God knows what was going on in the Brable household last night. Very entertaining. Um, what will also be very entertaining is the Kansas City Chiefs watching Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even want to think really about this the, this impact on an offence that is already the best in the league. He is a sensational player. He's a sensational player. He's you know he's going to catch about four hundred passes a year. I mean he's going to be Patrick Mahomes' best friend. He's he's small in stature but he's not small as a player you know he is you know don't think that he's just going to be you know Austin Eckler he is significantly more than that he reminds me so much of Emmett Smith stylistically uh, you know in terms of his lower body strength in terms of just the way he moves every time I look at him I think you know if you had to put him in a Dallas Cowboys uniform I'd swear it was Emmett Smith in terms of just the way he looks you know the way he runs he's got incredible lateral quickness great hands I, I, I just think it's a, just a sensational fit it's just a great pick for Andy Reader for Brett Beach. I mean, watching what Andy Reid has done with Damian Williams, who you saw mm. as a very average running back in Miami for a number of years, albeit very, very good hands, to think of Clyde yeah. Edwards Hilaire is, is terrifying. Just to wrap this up, then, Si, a little look ahead to night two. We have partnered with Betfred for the 2020 NFL draft, and they're offering markets over the coming days as well. Um, terms and conditions apply 18 plus only and be gambleaware.org. Um, let's just we, we've discussed a couple of talking points that we like and we've put them to Betfred to try and price some things up but I always think the intriguing question ahead of day two who do we think is going to be the first player off the board tonight I think the Bengals could look in two directions I think they tried to trade up last year for, for a tackle so I think Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland make a lot of sense but I also think Denzel Mims um, would be you know look, let, try and surround um, try and surround Joe Burrow with, with talent but I think if you walk away and you say, look, we've got Jonah Williams, who's essentially a first-round pick this year because he didn't play last year at left tackle. You've got Ezra Cleveland at right tackle. You know, they're, they're certainly setting up um, Joe Burrow to be protected. But also then you flip it and, you know, you've got John Ross, who's been ultra-disappointing. You've got Tyler Boyd, who's a good player, but, you know, needs some help. And you've got AJ Green coming off the injury and combined with his age. You know, let's get Joe some, some actual some playmakers. So, you know, one of those receivers, and it depends on how high they, they have these guys rated that are left, but, you know, I doubt they go the KJ Hamler route because of the, the John Ross thing. I'm not saying the same player, but you know. So I think uh, I think Denzel Mims a failure. I think the Vince Chenault. I think Michael Pittman Jr. of USC. I think those, those guys. So I think it will be a tackle or a wide receiver. And who do we think is going to be the next quarterback off the board? Um, it's going I to be between. Hurts. Do you think? Okay. I think so. Yeah. I thought it might be between the two guys who battled it out in Georgia in in um, in Jake Fromm and and um, the kid who. When, uh, Jacob Eason. yeah, but you you think it could yeah. be? It would not surprise me. It would not surprise me to see. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Dallas Cowboys take Jalen Hurts. Yeah, course. it would. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I think the Cowboys are even. If if Hurts slips, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens took him. Just yeah. looking for teams where you've got a starter that stylistically is is similar. You know, you want. In terms of the Ravens, more of a project and a bit of an upgrade on RG3. So, yeah, I think there's, there's certainly yeah. options there. Uh, we've talked a lot about the wide receiver class over the last few weeks. I think six went off the board last night. You've said in the past you think 25 could go in the first three rounds. Still think that is a possibility? Yeah, I think there's going to be a run on them soon. Um, you know, because you're starting now to get, you're starting to get into the, the set of guys that probably in most other years would be, would be first rounders. Uh, and I think, you know, we talked about them throughout this, this pod, but the Chenaults, the Hamlers, the Pittman Juniors, the, the Denzel Mims, those guys. And then, um, you know, then you're hitting the third tier of guys that might ordinarily be, you know, early seconds that you're probably going to get late second, early third. So uh, it's such a deep class. It's such an interesting class. That I think there's going to start to be a, a real run on those guys. And then you've got, you know, you've got a batch of interior linemen as well. You know, apart from season Ruiz, you've not had an interior lineman go. You know, you're looking at Jonah Jackson and Lloyd Cushenbury and Nathan Muti and and um, and Damian Lewis of, of LSU, Lloyd Cushenberry, Matt Hennessy. Uh, so there's going to be a run on those guys as well. 
And a final one where I would expect a run, uh, the devaluation of the safety position bizarrely continues in the NFL. We, if you're not considering Isaiah Simmons a, a safety, then there were none taken in the first round. So I think we, we could see a, a run. I think we, we, we reckon six or seven guys could have a yeah. second round or a bigger grade. So we could see a big I mean, run think, on those. You know, Grant Delphi, Jeremy Chin, the Southern Illinois kid, Carl Duga. Uh, Anton Winfield, Ashton Davis, uh, you know, there's some, uh, Xavier McKinney, uh, there's some real talent out there that, that teams are going to find, you know, you would not have gone into, you would not have gone into, where are we, mid-season last season said either Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpit would ever fall out the first round, you know, so, so, so teams are going to get real, real value picks, you know, I thought, I thought Anton Winfield might have come off at the back end of the first round last night, but, um, you know. I, I don't understand the devaluation of the safety position. I have to say we've had this conversation before, but you know somebody's going to get some some real good players. And we will have the Betfred will hopefully have some markets priced up on those things which we've picked out and some other markets over the course of the day. So so check that out if you if you fancy adding a little bit of extra fun to to proceedings tonight with a with a wager or two, um, do that and say. I'm ready to do it all again tonight with you on House Party. We might have a little nap, the pair of us, beforehand. Not, not together. We're close. Yeah. To I mean, frankly, yeah, had, had it been a normal year, we, we might nap together. We, si. I mean, we, we yeah. usually spend these times together. We do, live in, we do live in multiple bedroom houses, so I think probably that would have been weird. Yeah, I think a little yeah. bit weird. We're close. We're, we're very close. So. Um. And yeah, we will we will be back with another podcast on Monday to wrap up the entire class. Uh, hopefully, Will Gavin will be with us then. Who I know did a, a mammoth stint on live radio last night and is about to do some more. The 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 hardest working man in show business. But yeah, thanks very much for listening, and we will be back with you on Monday. Keep checking out all the social media feeds. Sai's going to have some some video bits and that up over the coming days as well. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to The Gridiron Show. Don't forget we have partnered with Betfred's T's and C's to apply for all the bets they're doing and be gambleaware.org. Keep checking out our first round reactions and live tweeting of the second round at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram. This has been The Gridiron Show.